Amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab your Bibles. Open up to the book of Colossians chapter 4. That's where we're going to uh, spend the majority of our time in God's Word today. And uh, today we are starting a little, we could call it mini-series, micro-series, whatever you want, three sermons for today, the next week, and the next week, the month of June, um, looking at this idea of, of a toolbox, a toolbox. Now, uh, I just went to the back of my, uh, you know, garage this morning, and uh, I, I got out my, my toolbox. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is my toolbox. It's, it's super dirty. I didn't bring it like, you know, you can, you can come as you are at Redemption Hill. That means like, However you show up to work on, you know, Friday, you can show up to Redemption Hill on Sunday. Whatever you go out, you know, with your friends on Saturday night, like you can wear that, you know. Uh, we hope that you're living like Jesus on Saturday night like you're on Sunday morning. Uh, but, but anyway, that's a bit beside the point. The point is, uh, I didn't get this toolbox polished up. You know, it's kind of dirty, uh, but, but there are some tools in here. And uh, what you need to know about, all right, we're good. Uh, what you need to know about this toolbox is... Um, you know, number one, I didn't buy it for myself. Um, my wife bought it for me. <laughs> and there's a, you can, you can start to make assumptions about me and about us. Um, she, the first, the first year we were married, Marsha got me, I don't even know if there any of these are in here because uh, organization is not my spiritual gift. Oh, there is one. Uh, here's one of the, uh, no, this isn't one. This is one I found in the yard, but it looks like the one. She got me a, a screwdriver set our first year of marriage, and I was kind of insulted. I've got to be honest. I was kind of insulted, like, you know, uh, I, you know I, I, I can handle this. I know, I know where Home Depot is, like, you know, like, but the fact of the matter is, is uh, Pastor Tanner is, is not very skilled when it comes to tools. In fact, not only did, did, did Marsha buy me tools, but even this, uh, this thing, I don't even know what this thing is called. Um, torque lock, torque wrench, torque wrench, right, Pastor Ruddy? Pastor Ruddy got me this torque wrench uh, as just being the friend that he is. He was coming over to help me with a project. He's like, no, I'm just going to buy Tanner this torque wrench. I've used it two times. Um, and uh, I was unsuccessful both times. But, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, tools. We, we, we all uh, need tools for our homes and in our lives. And, um, and why is that? Why is that? Well, uh, just to, for you to have a little bit of confidence in me, if you need help hanging a picture, I'm your God. All right? I'm your, I'm your God. If it requires finding the stud... You might want to call Pastor Chastine too, and we can tag team it. But, um, but you know, I can, I can hang a frame. And, uh, but anyway, uh, we, we all need tools. Why is that? A tool is an instrument used to shape, form, and finish to accomplish a purpose. We all need tools, right? There are things that we need to do. I think that's what was Home Depot's slogan, you know, helping you get the job done or something like that. So it's like, there are things that we need to do and we need tools to get those things done. And we all have tools. Teachers this year have the tool, many, of Google Classroom, right? Like, hey, give it up for our teachers one more time. I mean, made it through this year, not, not, a, not a minor feat. Um, but, but teachers have tools. Carpenters, yes, carpenters swing hammers, you know? Look at this sweet hammer I've got. Um, you know, scientists, they focus microscopes. DJs have headphones. You know, baristas tamp with 
tampers. Uh, just there's so many tools that we have in life that we need to get the job done. And when it comes to the Christian life, we see that Jesus gives us certain assignments and he has purposes for our lives. And yet so many times we know the purposes, we know what it is that he's called us to do, asked us to do, assigned for us to do. And yet sometimes we feel not only inadequate in and of ourselves, but we also feel like we are missing the tools to actually get the job done. And so for the next three weeks, we wanna give you a series of tools, tools that you can take in your walk with Jesus to grow as you follow Christ. But again, not only for you to receive, but for you to receive in such a way that you can give away to others. These are like napkin tools. You should be able to write these on a napkin and, and remember them and then give them away to help other people grow as they follow Christ as well. And so today we're going to, to think about this idea of tools for talking Jesus, all right? Tools for talking Jesus. We talk about talking Jesus as uh, we're talking about Jesus. We're, we're talking about Jesus with other people. And we've seen this in the gospel of Mark again and again and again. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus calls his disciples and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So this is, this is fundamentally what it means to follow Jesus, that we naturally and intentionally help other people follow Jesus as well. This is what Mark uh, 3.14 talks about, living with Jesus. He appointed 12 disciples to be with him, to spend time with him, and then to be sent out by him to preach and cast out demons and do all of these wonderful works of the kingdom of God. So again, this is, we've been talking about it all year. Hopefully you can explain it by now. Hey, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. This is for real, not a rhetorical. Uh, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about when I say multiplication middle. Just raise your hand. It's okay, no shame in here. If you're brand new, you definitely don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm starting to see a lot of hands go up. I'm seeing some hands that are not up yet. That's cool, that's okay. So I'm gonna explain it again, all right? So Jesus multiplies himself into us, his knowledge, knowledge of, 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 of the Father and this world and our hearts. And he's pouring knowledge into us right? Pastor John's going to talk about Bible reading next week and helping us read the Bible for ourselves, helping other people do that. So he pours in his love, his character, his joy, his peace, right? He's giving us all of this that, 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 that he is full of. He's pouring it into us. But the very nature of love being so, such that it pours out, it would be contradictory to receive it sincerely and not seek to give it away to others. Jesus multiplies himself into us. We multiply ourselves into other people. That puts us where? In the middle. It's the multiplication middle. And so today I want to help us with this, this assignment Jesus has given us to become fishers of people, to, to bring other people into the life of Christ, to invite people in to know Jesus. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. So follow along as I read these verses for us. Paul says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us 
that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Then he says this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Let me just go ahead and explain that. That is people who are outside the family of God, outside the life of Christ. So he's talking specifically about how we relate to people who who aren't yet in the family of God through Christ. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech, when you hang out with and walk in wisdom toward these outsiders, let that speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt. Any salt fans in the house today? so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. God, I ask right now, in the name of Jesus, for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. God, only only you have the power to convince us that these words matter. And that you've given us the power to put them into practice day by day. Send the power of your spirit now to convince us, convict us, and to move us more into your heart. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. I want to give you three encouragements today. And as we go, I'm going to give you some practical tools to help you on this journey. All right? That the first encouragement is simply this. It comes right from verses two through four of Colossians chapter four, where we see Paul is saying to us, pray for opportunities to talk Jesus with others. Pray for opportunities to talk Jesus with others. He begins in verse two, and what does he say? He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, which is actually a compliment to the Colossians. It tells us that they have been praying and they probably were a praying church. And so he's just saying, hey, keep it up. You've been praying, keep praying. You have a prayer life, pray some more. It's why Jesus said what? In, in, in Matthew 7 and in Luke 11, yes, ask, seek, knock. And in that context, he's, it's, it's repetitive for a reason because the, he's communicating, persevere, keep going, keep praying. The early church, Acts chapter 2, if we want to be like the, the, you know, if we want to be a great church, if we want to be a biblical church, we should look to the Bible. What were they doing? They were devoting themselves to prayer. They were praying. Prayer reveals our reliance, not on ourselves. Forgive me, God, for so many days that I'm relying on Tanner, but prayer helps me rely on him. And guess what? Prayer thrills the heart of God. Did you know that you can move the heart of God? That God's heart toward you is not just static, right? Like, yes, yes, it's unchanging. It's unconditional love. Yes, he loves you uh, as much as today as he'll ever love you because of who Jesus is and what he's done. But yes, there are things that we do and, and how we live our lives that light up the heart of God. I hope you believe that today. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We, we feel a certain way when we're pleased, when we see that, 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 that our kids are listening and, and respecting and, and, and loving, and not just us as parents, but their siblings and, and the people around them. Prayer moves the heart of God, and it moves the hearts of people. I love what Hudson Taylor, a great missionary to China, he said this, learn to move men through God by prayer alone. If you have a pen, you might want to write that down or jot it down on your cell phone right now. I'm taking notes. Pastor Tanner, that was good. Not because you said, of course, but because Hudson Taylor said it. He said, learn to move men through God by prayer alone. And and then what what really encourages me is verse 3. What does Paul say? He says, at the same time, as you're praying, 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 at, at the same time as you're, yes, pray also for us. Pray also for us. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, this, this man was, by our standards, the man. You hear what I'm saying? It's like, no one in this room, I know we're in Boston, I know, I just met some new grass today, like, you know, incredibly smart people, okay, no one in the room has an intellect that can probably match the Apostle Paul. No one in the room has the, the resume of the Apostle Paul, the effectiveness in the kingdom of God as the Apostle Paul, the missionary, you know, journeys and everything that he did to represent Jesus. The sacrifice of the Apostle Paul is unmatched, certainly by anyone. I mean, I would know because we would have been visiting you at MGH because you would almost have died because you sacrificed your life for Jesus. And this Apostle Paul is saying what? If we can put it in today's term, your boy needs prayer. I, I need prayer. I need, I need God to open up some doors ahead of me. I need God to go before me because guess what? Everything that we read about Paul in the book of, of, of Acts and in all of these letters, okay, it was always about God going before him. He wasn't doing anything in his own strength, okay? He was, he was persecuting Christians and seeing to their death before God came and saved him and changed him and then empowered him with the Holy Spirit to go live the kind of life that he's called him to live. So we need the same power. We need God to go before us to open doors, to pray. God, give us many opportunities to speak about Christ. And not only that, Paul says in verse four, hey, make sure that you pray that I speak it with clarity. This great preacher and theologian, the man who, the man who wrote the book of Romans, 16 chapters of pure theology at the deepest level. Pray that, that, that this Paul, that, that Paul that wrote Romans, pray that I speak it clearly, which means understandable and in a relevant way where people can understand the message of Christ, but in a way that, that hits their context and their life. Which means that if Paul was in India right now, he would be communicating the gospel, the same message in a different way, with different words and pictures and analogies and images. This, the, the message of the gospel never changes, but the way that we communicate it, the way we package it, does change. The message never changes but we speak it with clarity in an understandable and relevant way. And so I hope that you see here in these opening verses that 
talking about Jesus begins with talking to Jesus. I'll say that again. It's not super deep, but it's super important. Talking about Jesus with others starts by talking to Jesus about talking about Jesus to other people. This is my, this is my prediction. I don't think I have the gift of prophecy. I believe that Christians can prophesy, and I'll talk about that actually before we sing the last song today. It's a little cliffhanger. Um, but I don't have the gift of prophecy. No one's ever, told, you know, But here's my prediction. If you don't pray for the people around you, if you don't pray for the people around you, you're probably not going to share Jesus with them. That's just, that's just, that's just based, not just, that's just based on what Paul's saying right here. And, and these, these opportunities, he said what? Open doors, God, open doors before me. Open doors in my neighborhood, workplace, all these places. Anytime, anywhere, God can open an opportunity, a door of opportunity. So we should be prepared anytime, anywhere. I hope that's the kind of life that you live with Jesus. Anytime, anywhere. I hope that fires you up a little bit because that puts an adventure into life that takes the apathy out. But at the same time, we know, we know that God, most oftentimes, especially in our culture, is going to work through relationships, right? We all have relationships. We have, we have family, and we have friends, and we have neighbors, and we have coworkers, and we have classmates. These are what sometimes we refer to as relational networks, webs of relationships that we are connected to as we journey through life. And so the simple question is, who is in your life that you are praying for? Who, who in your life are you plant, praying for intentionally and regularly? That's why today we've given you a, a series of, of, of resources. Uh, number one, this is what we sometimes call multiply card. This is a multiply card. God has called us to multiply. Multiply, make disciples. So uh, you can see at the top, Jesus invited us into his story, which motivates us to extend irresistible invitations to those in our relational networks to see their story get connected to God's story. So the simple question is, who will you pray for and invite into the story of Jesus? And specifically, since you're a part of this church, through, the, through Redemption Hill, through RC. So, so I would just encourage you right now, take this beautiful RAC pen. It is a gift to you. We have hundreds of them. You don't need to like, drop them in the box, okay? You just keep it, even if you already have 25. And I just want to, just, just even if, who comes to your mind right now? Who comes to your mind that you would say, God, I'm going to start praying for that person. Just right now, everyone should, should have received a, a multiply card. If you can just grab it. And if you don't have someone, if someone's like, then just, just pause and pray. And just say, God, show me who. Show me, show me right now. And I would say the first person that comes into your mind, you can get out your pen right now. And just write down their name.
and I've just added a few people, a few that I've been praying for for a couple years, one that God put on my heart this past week. Listen, let me, let me encourage you. Thank you, I love this. Listen, God loves your writing. You can keep writing. Listen, you don't have to stop at one or two or three or whatever. Um, you, can, you can get multiple cards. And, and of course, you don't need a card. You don't need a card to pray for people. It's just what? A tool. It's a tool to put in your Bible and to remember when you're spending time with God, hey, I'm gonna pray for these people and then I'm gonna pray for an open door to talk Jesus with them and to love them in his name. Because listen, as you write those names, I don't know the names on your card. You don't know the name on my card. But listen, God knows their name and God loves them more than you love them. God is very interested in them knowing who he is. So if you haven't gotten out your, your pen yet, and if you missed it, then, you, then even, yeah, well, you can grab them on the way out, okay? But we have to start with prayer. Pray for opportunities to talk Jesus with others. But then number two, Paul would say in verse five, make the most of every opportunity to talk Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. The natural question is like, how do we do it? Pastor Tanner, we're talking about praying for open doors. We believe in the power of prayer. So I'm just gonna be looking for open doors in my life this week because God is powerful and we don't have to wait until November for him to open up a door, but it can be this afternoon. And so God, what do I do when, when you open a door? He says it right here. Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. This, this is the strategy. How, how do you love the people around you? How do you point them to Jesus? You walk in wisdom. What is wisdom? This is, this is important to know. Maybe want to write it down. Uh, knowledge applied to a specific situation. Simple as that. Knowledge applied to a specific situation. So here's, here's just a, something to consider. Okay, someone can have seven degrees on their walls, and that's impressive, and, and we applaud them for all the hard work that they've done. I've got a few on my wall too. But you can have incredible knowledge, be incredibly academically accomplished, and you can actually live without a lot of wisdom. Because wisdom is taking the knowledge that we receive, and specifically we're talking about how we live the life that God has called us to live and the, the, the lead and the lives that he wants everyone to, to understand and know and to live is, is we, we take that knowledge and then we apply it into a specific situation. I'm talking about a specific moment in time, a specific conversation with these specific people or, or whoever God puts in your path. And thank God coming back to prayer, God says, when you lack wisdom, just ask me. James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, just ask for wisdom. I'm the God of wisdom, I'll give you some wisdom. But we also need to discern we need the Holy Spirit to show us when he's opening, opening a door and when he is giving us, listen, 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 please listen, a divine moment of opportunity. God is really interested in that. He's sovereign, that means he's in control and he's, he's over all things, which means the details of our days and where we shop and where we go and who we meet and who we work with and who gets on our nerves at work and all of these great things. And so 
God will put opportunities in front of us. You say, Tanner, where do you see that here? He says it right here. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And for us to understand what Paul means when he says making the best use of the time, we actually need to understand the specific Greek word that Paul uses here so that we understand what he's saying. Because there were two words for time in the Greek. And the, the kind of time that we normally think about, which you're probably thinking, make the best use of the time. And, and you're probably saying, oh, Tanner, here we go again, man. We're talking about time. We're talking about managing our time. We're talking about, don't you know how many hours I work, Pastor Tanner? And, and all the things that I have to do and, and to take care of friends and kids and family and, and, you know, other just life. And can I just have some free time for me? You know, can I watch a couple episodes of Netflix? Would that be okay with you, Pastor Tanner? Like, absolutely, go for it. But guess what? That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about chronos. Chronos is chronology. It's, it's quantitative time. It's measurable. It's 1121 on Sunday, June 13th, 2021. That's chronos time. If any of you have kids, like one of my kids, I won't name uh, her this morning, but, um, you know, when we ask her, how was your day at school, then she starts giving us the chronos time. Well, you know, we started with chapel, and then we went to morning meeting, and then we did reading, and then we went to recess, and then we came back in, and we had a snack, and then, you know, it was math time, and then we went to lunch, and it's like, we know her chronos schedule. She is the queen of schedule. (laughs) That's chronos. Kairos is a moment of opportunity. It is, as some say, a supreme moment. Some call it a divine moment or a God moment. It is an opportune moment where we know, listen, God just opened up a door of opportunity. So for example, you may, you may be at work and you're talking with a coworker and you're talking about projects and deadlines and task lists and, you know, what's coming up and, you know, the boss said whatever and the manager did this and, you know, but then all of a sudden we, we hear them say, I just couldn't sleep last night. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Is that like, is that a regular? No, I have like, this has been going on for weeks. Kairos moment. You're in your neighborhood, and you know now it's like the sun is out, and people are mowing their lawns, whatever little lawn they have in Bedford, and uh, you know doing their thing, and you're just talking about you know plants and whatever, and and you're just maybe even the Celtics. How bad the Celtics? You know, please, Lord Jesus, you know, help help Brad. Let's get a new coach that'll take us to the promised land. Anyway, but then all of a sudden, they say, you know what? I just I don't know how to relate to my kids. That's a Kairos moment. God opens up doors of opportunity and he's doing it, I would argue, all the time. But we have to have eyes to see. We talked about this three weeks, like spiritual vision to see into the moment, to say, God, wow, you just opened a door for me, what? To love them in your name. And I just, this, this puts, this puts the, the real into relationship. This puts the adventure into Christianity. Listen, Christianity was never boring. 
If your, if your, if your experience of Christianity is boring, I'm just telling you that the issue is with the person in the mirror, not Christ. And I love you. I love you. I've been there. I've done that. So what do we do in these moments of opportunity? I got to hit this quick. We make the most of them. The, the, the word here, it means to redeem, to buy back. These are moments of liberation where, where we're, 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 we're making the most of that moment so that we can not only fulfill what God has asked us to do, but there's the opportunity to change not just their life now, but their eternity forever. You say, well, Tanner, that's great, but how do I actually do it? I mean, what do I, if I'm, if we're supposed to talk Jesus in the moment of opportunity, then how do I talk about Jesus? And I'm going to help you with that. Number three, speak Jesus into the moment of opportunity. We see it here from, from verse six, where Paul says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What Paul is saying, like, listen, let me, let me dispel some myths for you when it comes to talking about Jesus, okay? Um, you don't need a presentation that you walk through, okay? There's no PowerPoint required, all right? There's no list that you have to memorize and, and, and spout it out, like, a, like maybe a professor, you know, going through the notes, okay? Um, you need to understand the story of Jesus at, at, at the most basic, simple level, and then you just need to speak that with some kindness because you're not there to win an argument with some, with some patience because it might not be the first conversation, but it might be the 10th or the 20th or the 40th conversation to when the light bulbs start going off and they really understand what, not only what Jesus did, but how that relates to them. We're considerate, we're fair. Yes, we seek to be persuasive and winsome. And in all of this, look, Paul is saying, be appealing communicate, again, not just in an understandable way. Listen, like anyone can, can say, okay, here's Romans Road. You're a sinner. God loves sinners. Jesus died for sinners. If you believe in him, you'll have life. That, that's, that's, that is the gospel. But, but if we just kind of cookie cut that and, and in a can kind of way and just launch it at people, we're probably not going to see great things happen. It's not very, in my opinion, it's not very appealing. So that's why, that's why Paul says what? Season it with salt. You got a salt shaker, maybe one of these like action job things that get up like the big chunks, you know, like the Himalayan sea salt, whatever. Okay, like why, this is the difference. <laughs> this is the difference between, um, you know, I mean, just, I, sorry if you love hot dogs. Hot dogs, they probably have salt, so maybe it's a bad analogy, but let's just go with it, okay? Hot dogs, and Oasis Brazilian Steakhouse on Main Street. Can I get an amen? That sirloin, that sirloin that's on the rotisserie and it's going around with the salt that they keep seasoned with salt. It's the difference between a raw potato and, yes, French fries. My son Titus loves French fries. Why? Because they are loaded with salty goodness. 
Why salt appeals? It makes us come back. And this is accurately a picture that if you share Jesus in a winsome way, I hope you're tracking with me right now, okay, that, that people will actually, believe it or not, they'll want to have another conversation with you. So let's talk about the conversation. What do we do when we're in the Kairos moment? What do we do over lunch with a friend? And we, the, here, here comes a tool, all right? Here comes a tool. So this is a simple way of talking about the, the message of Jesus with anyone, anywhere, anytime. So we start with, you don't have to start here, by the way. You can start anywhere on the, 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 the map here, but that's not a great circle, but we're, we're going with it, right? So we start with God's design, all right? Now listen, you thought you were off the hook, but you're not off the hook. You've been given a, a, a swanky piece of not, you know, like 18-pound paper. Okay, this is cardstock. Look at that. Cardstock. Get out your cardstock, please, and grab your Redemption Hill sweet pen, www.redemptionhillchurch.com. Okay, I want you to, to walk with me here. Okay, can you draw a circle on that, and can you write God's design right there? What is God's design? God's design as you draw your circle and write uh, this, this, this text in the circle. Okay, God's design is his plan for our world. It's his, it's his uh, uh, purposes for creation, the entire world, including our lives. He made us to experience harmony. He made us to experience what, what some people call shalom. The Hebrew word shalom means peace. It, it's not just the absence of conflict, but it's, it's the presence of flourishing and thriving. Listen, God's design is, this is simply put, the way we want the world to be. You want, you want uh, harmony in your relationships? That's what God wants. You, you want uh, justice in the world? That's what God wants. God is just. You want love to flow instead of hate? Listen, that's who God is. And that's who he made us to be in his image. And we could just keep going. So, so God made a world, and the, the world that God made is the, the exact way that we want it to be when we are thinking rightly at our best. But you and I both know that this is not the world we experience. Why is that? It's because of the reality of sin. Sin is missing the mark of God's plan, God's design, God's intention. It's, it's doing things that God has said we ought not to do. Sin is essentially saying, God, I know best. I'm in charge of my life. I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to do things my way. And I know not because the Bible tells me it's true, but because I relate to human beings. I know that we're all professionals at doing what we want to do. If you ask people, do, do you see people just living how they want to live and doing what they want to do? I've never, I've never had a person that said that, that there's not something wrong with, with humanity and even with themselves. And what does sin lead to? Sin leads to brokenness. Why is our world broken? Why, why do we read about the things that we read about on the news? Why, why, are, why are people against each other and fighting in, in all the comments on social media? There ain't much season with salt on there. Why? Which leads to... And, and we're all looking for solutions out of our brokenness. You guys got this so far? Sin... God's design, sin, brokenness. We got it? 
see those pins moving? Okay, so, so then you need to draw these little cool arrows, okay? Can you just go ahead and, and work on that right now? Uh, so you can draw as many as you want. You know, you can have fun with it. Make them as long as you want, you know, whatever. Um, but these arrows represent ways that we all seek to find our way out of brokenness. Because listen, there are lots of options, right? How can we fix our broken world? Oh, wait, maybe I'll get another degree. Education will fix it. Let's, let's go education. What about, what about, um, oh, that thing, they, they call it the almighty dollar. Like, you know, how about some, some more money? If I just had more money, then I would be happy. If I just had more money, then I would be satisfied. If, if I just had more money, then I would be fulfilled. Some people find it through, seek to find it through pleasure. The next experience, the next pe- travel and trips and drugs and whatever it is. Not that those things are all bad. I mean, drugs, yes, not bad. But trips, no. But they can be if we're, if we're, if we're putting our, our hope in them, if we're trying to find the, our way out of brokenness. Relationships, like we can just keep going. Work, success, all of these ways out of brokenness, but ultimately they, none of them satisfy. Because God didn't make us for those things. He made us for a relationship with himself. And we get to that relationship through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus, what he has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. That Jesus lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we should have died in our place. That if we look to Jesus and what he's done in his life, death, and resurrection, that we can experience life. So how do we, you don't have to write the word gospel. You can, you can draw a cross, okay? You could actually, it says gospel on the screen, I know, but you can just write Jesus because Jesus is the gospel. He is the good news. You can just say, Jesus is, is the, the satisfaction that I was looking for. And so how do we experience this, this relationship with Jesus? It's through turning and believing. Or I know the screen says repentance and faith. Repentance just means turning. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of life. And when we turn from our old way of life and we turn from, yes, our sin and living for ourselves, we don't just turn away from all those things. We turn to Jesus Christ and we put our faith in him and we believe in who he is and, 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 and what he wants for our lives. And the crazy thing is, when you get reconnected with God through Jesus, now you can recover and pursue God's design for your life. If you desire the, and I'm speaking to everybody today because some, some of you may have never experienced this yet and today is your Kairos moment. Where today you're saying, yes, my life is full of brokenness and I see that yes, it's because I've deviated from God's plan and I've done my own thing and I've said, God, I know best and, and I have sin in my life, but God wants to forgive me of my sin through turning and believing in Jesus to receive forgiveness of my sin and to recover and pursue God's design for my life. So now I have peace, I have fulfillment, I have satisfaction, I have joy, I have this, this peace that the world can't explain. And you can actually share it in a shorter amount of time than I just did right there. What is this? This is, this is just a framework. You can, 
Because what is going to happen? The conversation. I, don't, I can't relate to my kids. That's, what a, that's a symptom of brokenness, right? That God is a good father. Let me talk to you about my father who has loved me and who is present with me and who talks with me and walks with Like Anyway, I'm not going to sing a song or do a rap, but you, you get the picture. So this is just a guide. It's, I love it because it's flexible. I love it because dozens of times I've just written on a napkin in a restaurant or over coffee. You know, it's so simple and everyone can understand it. And again, we're not, we're, this is a tool. This isn't the only way to talk about Jesus. Okay, but what I love is it's God's story that is naturally an explanation of God's world because everyone has a worldview. Everyone has answers, or at least they should, for the, the reason our world is broken in the way we want it to be, but everyone has different answers on how we get there. But not only is it God's story, but we can put our story into it as well. So just to prove that it's not all about a method or a model or a, a, a circle, uh, three circles, uh, I want to invite one of my friends up, Monica Tofik, who is going to share a little bit about some things that God is doing in her life. So Monica, come on out. This is Monica Tofik. Can we just give it up for Monica? She has, she has two amazing kids. Just tell us about your family, Monica. I won't do it for oh, you. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm married to John, and we've got two kids, Jordan and Noel, and yeah, love my family. Can I just say the studly John Tofik? I mean, for the first time and probably John, Great. only time you're going to be called a stud in a sermon. Okay, I just want to give you that opportunity. This is your Kairos moment, John. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome family. Jordan and Noel, some of the cutest. Just, yeah. Um, so you messaged me, I think it was on Sunday night or Monday, and you were telling me about this kind of thing. So could you just tell everyone? Because I haven't even got the full story. This is legit. I have not got the full story. I'm trusting that it's good enough to share with everyone. So anyway, no, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, tell us the story, Monica. Thanks. Yeah, sure. So I guess I had a couple of instances of divine opportunity the last couple of weeks. So recently we left town for vacation, and we had about a 20-minute Uber drive to the airport at around 4 a.m. So it was really early. Um, and there was a nice Moroccan man who was driving us to the airport. He offered hand sanitizer to us. He was helpful with the baggage and everything, just a really nice guy. Um, so I had a chance to hear a bit about his life story and uh, his immigration to the States, his wife, his kids. Um, so we just talked, told him about ourselves and um, just having that moment to share my background and the hope that I have in Christ and knowing it was only 20 minutes, it's quick, but I just sensed it was a divine opportunity and getting the opportunity to share that with him, and I, I shared a website with him afterwards for more uh, resources. So that was one example, and then um, the other one was on the flight. It was about a six-hour flight, and I, we're all masked up, of course, and I'm next to a nice woman. We're both mothers, also of Middle Eastern descent. Um, she seemed super friendly. She offered a truck, like a toy. She had a son and a toy for my screaming daughter because it was a long flight. And um, she initiated that conversation. And from there, we just started talking and got an opportunity to hear about her, her background, her studies, politics from her cult country, her culture, um, her career. Uh, and even though we really grew up with different backgrounds, different continents, um, we did find a lot of common ground based on our family, kids, work. Um, so throughout that discussion, I had the chance just to share with her um, also, again, the hope that I have in Christ, I talked about, I had my Bible with me, and 
for some reason, I felt extra brave at that moment. Usually, I, I haven't done this on, with a stranger, but I had my Bible open, and I read Psalm 91 to her, specifically like the verse about how um, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you'll find refuge, and his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And I just went through the whole chapter with her, and she sat right next to me and wow. just listened intently and seemed extremely receptive. So that was just one other example, just, and I, you know, after that, had a chance to just kind of share some of the things you, you drew up here and the hope that I have. So, again, really exciting opportunities, and I continue to pray for them. Wow. Awesome. Can we just give God thanks for that? Wow. So good. So good. Love. Love. These are just, yeah, two Kairos moments, right? Like, we've all been on the plane where the person won't even talk to us, and so that's like Kronos moments. But then, you know, all of a sudden, a toy and a conversation, and bam, you're just talking about Jesus with them. Um, what, what one encouragement would you give us or just any kind of advice or encouragement as, because what I love, Monica's our finance director, right? Like she's not like Pastor Steve, like our pastor of evangelism. She's not lead pastor or whatever, okay? She's just a, 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 a regular, normal Christian like us um, who's just living her life and taking an Uber ride. So what, what encouragement would you give us? Yeah, can I share just a couple, couple of things, yeah, I guess? Go but for it. Growing yeah. up, I witnessed my dad never hesitating to share the mm. hope that he yeah. has. And he was always a great example to me. Yeah. And he still does that to the, this day. So especially to people of Middle Eastern heritage, so, you know, finding someone of common ground, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be whatever that common ground is that you find with somebody. So I guess the, the advice I'd leave is, um, always, as it says in First Peter 3.15, always be prepared mm. to give an answer to everyone who ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. Like we learned today about, you know, having your words be seasoned with salt, just being ready for whatever that divine moment could be. And I think you'd be surprised. I think people are more often than not like open to having conversations and mostly curious, you know, what, what is this? And what do you, you know, what is your background? And people just kind of want to know and are more open than you might think they are. And I think the last thing I say is it's kind of like a muscle just like working out, like things yeah. get easier the more you do it and it yes. gets a little less awkward. It's always still going to be maybe nerve wracking. So just praying for that um, faith and courage and trying it out and it'll get easier and really just praying for the people that ultimately it's God that'll stir in their hearts. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Monica. Let's give it up for Monica. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so encouraging and great, great wisdom. Uh, as well. We have less to fear than we think we do. We have less to fear. And there are so many opportunities that God is opening up. So listen, I just want to share one more tool, one more tool. If I have enough strength to get the whiteboard clean. So not only do you have God's story, and ultimately we have to share God's story for someone to understand how to have a relationship with him, but we also have our story. We also have our story. So maybe you can flip the cardstock around and I want to introduce you to what some missionaries have introduced to me as the 15 second story or testimony, okay? So uh, just, just take this little uh, framework and there was a time in my life when I blank and blank. Then I met Jesus, a time, blank and blank. Then I met Jesus, 
he blank and blank. Now, I experience, I live, I, this is super flexible, it's your story, you tell it how you want to. I experience blank and blank. So, I worked on mine this week. Here's my 15-ish second testimony. There was a time in my life I lived with misguided priorities and thought my own effort would take me places, even heaven. Then I met Jesus. He loved me and forgave me of my sin through his work on the cross. Now I live with daily purpose and daily freedom because of him. Okay, 19 seconds. Your 19 second testimony. You see, do you see how easy that is? And I hope you see that it actually, I'm glad that this, this is like God kind of showing us something here because it actually just fits right into the three circles. There was a time, we can do the circles, we can start with brokenness. There was a time in my life where I was broken. I had misguided priorities. Listen, I want you to go ahead and start writing yours right now. How was your life broken? You can just write it in and you can, you can tell it and you will tell it a thousand different ways. Yes, apart from Jesus, I too experienced anxiety and worry. Apart from Jesus, I was chasing money and success. Apart from Jesus, I was living for me. There was a time in my life when I was living for me. But then I met Jesus. What would you say? He adopted me. He picked me to be on his team. He delivered me and restored me. I know some people got that testimony lately. I just love it. Thank you, Jesus. And now, now I live. How has he changed you? It's your story. He's given me confidence and compassion towards others. He saved me and he satisfied me. He's given me a desire to forgive the people I thought I could never forgive because he forgave me to serve the people around me when I was just a selfish snob or, or whatever. You see it, right? You see it. And it's in the, the Kairos conversations that you're able that, you know, this may be the 15-second testimony, may be the bridge to the three circles. Or the, 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 the three circles as you're talking about brokenness and whatever, that that then leads to a story of Jesus and your story. But, but, but let me not miss, because I'm a newbie in this and I'm just getting trained, okay? Uh, after you share your story, you just, you're, do you have a story like that? There was a time in my life when, then I met Jesus, now I, do you have a story like that? It's so natural, it's so conversational, it's so disarming, it's not, you know, like, you know, it's just a caring person talking to another human being who has a story and we, we love them. As we think about all of this, Listen, and I, I talked to our staff team about this and the people that are praying on Friday mornings now uh, at the center. If you want to come, you're invited any Friday morning this summer, 6.30 to 7.30. I just, I just said, listen, guys, I, 
we're introduced to this tool series on Sunday, and we're trying to equip our church to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus. And uh, I've preached on this like a thousand times. That, I mean, probably some way, shape, or form. So, I mean, you guys know. And there's one thing I know. A sermon is not enough. A sermon is not enough. That, that in no way discounts or discredits the word of God that's living and active, okay? But what we need is this. We need God himself, the Holy Spirit, to convince us that it is true. And then move us out to take advantage of the kairos moments that God puts in front of us. Because there's one thing I've learned is that the biggest barrier to sharing the story of Jesus and talking Jesus with people is not the culture, although we live in, yes, pluralism and all roads lead to God and uh, everyone can be tolerant except to be intolerant of Christians who are apparently intolerant, but that view is intolerance itself. And we have the calendar and we're so busy and I can't find time to have my neighbors over or whatever. And yes, there's a kingdom of darkness that will send every force against you when you're about to let your speech be seasoned with salt and talk about Jesus. But aside from all that, the biggest barrier to me talking about Jesus is me. And I know the biggest barrier in your life is you. So how we're going to end this time, I'm going to invite the music team up just to, to lead us, and we're going to pray, and we're going to sing a song of, of praise and prayer. But I just ask you to, to just begin praying right where you are. And, and, and just, just start to, to ask God to open doors of opportunity in your life. Ask God to, to start to work in the names of the people that, that you're now identifying and he's going to bring people to your mind and you're going to bump into people like, oh, I should pray for them. And, and so the people, the, the real people that you work with, live with, love, that, that you can start praying for them, that God would soften their heart, that God would, because here's the great thing, sometimes they just, they just provide the moment. They just what they share and what's going on in their life. Listen, brokenness is all around us. Brokenness is within us. So if you just start praying and praying for those people, and I just want to pray over us in Jesus' name, God, that you would take us to new places. God, I'm so convinced that, that if even if half of us, even if half of us would just by your Holy Spirit catch a vision for what you want to do, how you use ordinary people like us to share the extraordinary message of Jesus. Then our lives will never be the same. Our church will never be the same. So Spirit of God, would you speak the, the, the doubt that's in hearts right now, God, would you overwhelm the doubt with faith? God, the skepticism, what, for whatever reason, skeptical about anything that I've said today or skeptical that, that, that they could do it or skeptical that a skeptic would 
even listen, Lord, would you, would you replace the skepticisms of our heart with faith? God, would you, as Jesus taught us, would you help us to, as we seek to follow him, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? God, help us to not seek to save our lives, but God, help us to give our lives away. Help us to deny ourselves so that in the Kairos conversation, we're not so much concerned about us, which is my natural MO, but that we would be more concerned about them. That if it means appearing foolish in the sight of someone around us, that we would gladly sign up to be a fool for Christ. Oh God, we need you to do it. A sermon is not enough but your Holy Spirit is. With your word, working into our souls. So God, I pray right now because I know that some people have heard this sermon and they're like, Pastor Tanner, he's right. It's not just because COVID kept me indoors for how many ever months, but even before COVID, I haven't shared my faith in, in weeks, months, or even years. And so God, we need a, a supernatural touch of your Holy Spirit to move us out to love the real people around us in the real name of the resurrected Christ. So God, would you pour a fresh wind into our hearts today? God, fresh wind, fresh fire. God, we need your power because I, for one, I'll go on record and say this too. I'm sick of living an impotent life. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 4, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. Oh, God, give me the power. Give us the power, God. I'm, I don't want to lead a church that's absent of your power. We need you. We need you. Send your spirit, God. We need you. In Jesus' name.